Travel creates stories. Unforgettable stories that can make us smile, laugh, or even cry. I'm David Calderon, and you're listening to Out of Office, powered by Contiki. It's the final episode of the season, and in this special Real Talk episode, we're talking about India's female revolution. India has one of the fastest-growing economies on the planet. But despite this, it's still one of the most difficult places in the world to be a woman, with lack of gender equality and female education being some of the biggest challenges women face. Today, we're talking female empowerment, how women are fighting gender stereotypes in India, a country dominated by men and patriarchy. Kontiki sent Canadian travel vlogger Nadine Sakura on a mission to India to find and meet some incredible women who are spearheading movements for change. Hi, Nadine. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I know you are a big fan of solo travel, and solo travels can be empowering to women. Tell us a little bit more about that. Why do you love solo travel so much? I love solo travel because it, it, I mean, it's exactly what you said. It's empowering. There is nobody else but yourself to rely on. And it's a type of travel that really just teaches you so many life skills on how to defend, how to survive, how to thrive by yourself. And not only that, is that you get to do anything that you want to do. Like where in life do you get to choose everything? Like you get to where you want to eat, what you want to do, what you want to see. It's just so it is it's an empowering type of travel and it's very very exciting do you think there's like any other special effects that solo travel has specifically for women i think it teaches women specifically that they can rely on themselves a lot more than they think they can i think that we get told a lot in life that we can't do things especially as women we told we can't do that you can't do that you can't go solo travel there blah 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 blah. and it kind of proves them wrong. Like it proves all the naysayers wrong that you can actually do a lot of things when you set your mind to it. And that kind of, it's just such a big growth and learning experience. That's that's why I love it so much. Now, you went on a trip with Kontiki to India. Um, what was the mission? What did you want to achieve when you were in India? So the mission that I wanted to achieve was uh, to see firsthand India's female revolution. So it was to learn about the struggles and the challenges that women are facing in India. Um, and then to see what kind of efforts are being made to change that and to see how they're progressing. That's awesome. So when you were in India, what surprised you the most when you were like witnessing all this firsthand? I think the thing that surprised me the most was just seeing how much the women are the ones spearheading the change. Like the women are the ones that are out there. They're they're the superheroes. Um, and I expected men to be a bit more involved, but it really does take women to create the movement and kind of create that snowball effect. Oh, so it's women leading women into this. Exactly. Women leading women, women inspiring other women, women empowering other women. That's awesome, though. So when you were, I've never been to India and I know I've always wanted to go. What were your first impressions of the country itself? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was it was so much. Um, it's like a rainbow of senses. There's just so many sights and smells and flavors and taste it's just everything you can possibly imagine it's just so vivid and bright and colorful and there's so much out there to see and do that it's really exciting but when you were in india you met several amazing women that are doing some amazing initiatives aiming at empowering mm -hmm. other women can you tell me about one of those initiatives 
Mm-hmm. So one of the coolest initiatives I saw was the Pink City Rickshaw Company. So that was in Jaipur, which is the largest city in Rajasthan in northern India. Okay, and we actually have online the director, Radhika Kumari. Hello, Radhika. Hi. How are you today? I'm very well. Um, awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about Pink City Rickshaw? Uh, yeah, so the Pink City Rickshaw Company uh, is an initiative to provide livelihoods to the women who uh, belong to the slums mm-hmm. around Jaipur. Uh, most of these women are from, um, you know, really uh, low economic uh, households. They all fall generally below the poverty line. A lot of them are educated up to 8th standard. Uh, so say at uh, the age of 12, uh, but uh, because uh, Jaipur is a very traditional and a, uh, a very conservative uh, place, uh, women have not uh, traditionally been encouraged to go out of the house and work. Uh, so India also has a very um, low, um, you know, the women are working in the labor force is only 27% uh, because uh, traditionally, you know, they're encouraged to um, just work at home, not go out of the house. A lot of it is unpaid labor. And mm-hmm. uh, we, this is an initiative to provide an opportunity for them to earn uh, better livelihoods. Uh, so here we train uh, these ladies how to drive a rickshaw. The rickshaws are electrically charged. They've been modified uh, to look like a buggy. And okay. uh, we've designed tours. Uh, Jaipur is also very, it's a beautiful place with heritage uh, properties here. We've got uh, lovely palaces. Uh, we've got beautiful museums. So we've got tours uh, which are around, uh, you know, these places. So we have a heritage tour. A lot of people come here to shop. So we have a shopping tour. These are all uh, guided tours. We have an app for that. And uh, we not only train them to drive uh, these uh, rickshaws and take people on tours, but we also provide them skills to, uh, you know, empower themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, we encourage them to buy shares into the company. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, the company uh, is going to be owned by the ladies. We've already got some of them on board. That's awesome, though. So it's essentially as the company grows and you, like, educate more women into, like, helping it, like, they benefit even more from it. Yes. uh, So it's a social enterprise. Uh, uh, So, you know, as the company grows, uh, they uh, uh, not only, uh, you know, benefit from the company growing, but they also learn how to manage and control the company. So, you know, uh, it just uh, is uh, not just a project, but, you know, we want it to be self-sustainable. No, that's awesome because you're making them like very savvy, you know, practically, but then you're also giving them this kind of this like business education. So how did this idea come about for the Pink City Rickshaw Company? The main idea uh, was that we realized that a lot of uh, people from rural areas are now shifting to urban areas. Uh, But the cost of uh, living is extremely high. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the urban poverty uh, is uh, increasing at an alarming stage. Um, To uh, to make, uh, you know, to meet the challenges, both uh, the men as well as the ladies both have to uh, work. Uh, But we realized that, you know, to get the women uh, to, um, you know, work, we not only have to work with them, but we also have to work with their families, try and change the uh, stereotype. For example, when we started the project here, there were no women who were driving Mm -hmm. e-rickshaws. But the city is, you know, full of uh, rickshaws, full of tuk-tuks, full of uh, uh, taxis driven only by men. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have so many tourists coming and, you know, we felt uh, it is the ladies who are are not getting the opportunity. It was a pilot. This is a pilot. It's the first city. We hope that, you know, we hope to replicate it in other tourist cities like Banaras uh, or, you know, Udaipur or Agra, where there are a lot of tourists coming and they'd like to see the city 
uh, in a slightly, uh, you know, different manner. So uh, you you started touching a, a little bit about it. Um, the women that you employ, you mentioned that some of them are very much below the poverty line. 90% of them are below the poverty line. 90%? Uh, the ladies who are with us. Yeah. yeah. We have uh, most of these ladies. And, uh, you know, uh, the interesting uh, uh, fact is that uh, women in India have uh, not uh, ever had any financial control. You know, so they've not been working uh, because they're not financially independent. They've not had the opportunity to make various decisions. You know, for example, marriage, uh, you know, or, you know, the age when they should be getting married, what sort of uh, education they should follow, or what their children should be doing. And mm -hmm. uh, by giving them this opportunity, we feel that, you know, they are better equipped to handle uh, decisions later on in their lives. Yeah, so why is it important for women to have their own jobs and earn their own money? I think it's extremely important because uh, once you uh, contribute uh, to, you know, the money in the family, uh, you have a say in decisions, uh, for example, of, you know, whether you should be investing in a property or uh, taking up uh, a new job, uh, as I mentioned, uh, even, uh, you know, very uh, basic things like when they're daughters or when their children should be getting married, whether they should be accepting dowries, whether their children should be uh, able to study further. Uh, generally, you know, uh, we realize it is uh, the men who take all these decisions mm -hmm. because uh, traditionally, uh, you know, the division of uh, labor, division of work in India has been like that, where the men go out to work, but the women will be staying at home and, you know, taking care of the family and cooking, etc., etc. Yes. Yeah, so it sounds like the fact that they're like actually like earning income and it gives them more of a sense of independence, like the freedom to choose and gives them the confidence to be vocal about what is done with the money. Absolutely. All right. Oh, that's amazing, though. Now, Nadine, what did you think of the Pink City Rickshaw Company when you were there? Uh, I, I thought it was a beautiful initiative. I know just being a female traveler myself, it's so exciting to see female-run like businesses um, and being able to support that with my tourist dollar. Like that to me is really exciting. And just having that comfort, like, like Radhika said, like it's rickshaw drivers are a male like it's so anytime you want to get around places you're you're always you're always giving your money to male rickshaw drivers that that's what they're always taking you and not only is it like a feeling of women supporting women which i love um it's also women financially supporting women and putting your money into their pockets as well so it's kind of spreading it out and it's a safety thing too like women i i know as myself you always just naturally feel more comfortable when you're around other women mm -hmm. that's just how it is and so to see to be able to drive around and see such a beautiful city in the safety of um like in, in the presence of another woman uh, is, is is awesome. And also just seeing it from their perspective, like from their point of view and seeing what things they point out is, is different as well. All right. So mentally noting when I go to India, I'm going, I'm one of those Pink City rickshaws. So <laughs> where did you, where did you go next, Nadine? So the next place I traveled to was Rathambore. Okay. So it is a vast wildlife reserve in the countryside of Rajasthan, where you can find tigers and bears and all other kinds of animals. So wild animals here means that there is actually a lot of poaching. And this is a form of illegal employment that has rifled the region for many, many years. And Rathambore is actually an eco-sensitive zone meaning that there are no factories or industries, and the women who live here actually have a little opportunity for work. 
Mm -hmm. So the Gonk Center aims to tackle that by retaining the wives of men who are ex-tiger poachers, as well as giving them an alternative form of employment to the people who were previously involved in illegal woodcutting, grazing, and hunting. Okay, so we actually have on the line Diva Kandal, the founder of Donk Center. How are you, Divya? I'm fine, David. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about Donk Center? Uh, we are basically uh, a social enterprise working here since the last decade. And the whole objective of our program is to give sustainable job opportunities to the tiger's neighbors, especially the ex-poachers who were basically responsible for finishing off the tiger population in our neighboring reserve Sariska and bringing down our population of tigers to 18 in 2005. So we are the only ones who are going door to door to these houses and convincing their families to leave their old occupation behind and join the mainstream society with the help of the skill training and alternative livelihood that we provide through Dhok. So basically what we do here is uh, we use craft as a medium and uh, we train them in native crafts with the uh, help of the local trainers who are uh, working with us at Dhok Center. And once the uh, training is completed, the women mostly who are working with us sometimes men are uh, then free to work as much or as little as they want to and earn uh, respectable wages and sell their produce to the local tourism market so basically this kind of a project is uh, supported by responsible travelers and travel companies who understand the importance of uh, their visit and the impact that it can make uh, on the community. That's awesome. Sir, so calling from Rathambore. Yes, yes. I'm uh, living in Rathambore since the last uh, 12 years now. Can you describe your location for our listeners? Well, uh, I'm sitting at the uh, edge of the critical tiger habitat of Rathambore Tiger Reserve. Mm -hmm. Where I am right now, we have a tiger few meters away from me right now. And uh, um, it's I can't move anywhere. I'm in the vehicle sitting and waiting for the tiger to move away. And then we go back home. I mean, what do you do in that situation? What do you do when there's a tiger right in front of you? Well, when a tiger is in front of you, you don't do anything. The tiger does everything that he or she wants to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you mentioned that at the Donk Center, you train the women to work with arts and crafts. What sort of arts and crafts do the women make? Um, we basically work with uh, the regional crafts of this region. Hand block printing, hand embroidery. Kashida embroidery, which uh, is a very fantastic form of uh, um, uh, manual machine embroidery. And we also do a lot of toy making. And uh, yes, sometimes we do some uh, interesting basket weaving as well. So why arts and crafts as a medium to train up in? To be honest, we did uh, experiment with uh, uh, giving them uh, poultry, giving them uh, plantation trees so that they could sell the fruits. But everything uh, had its own barriers. We had to find something which was flexible and sustainable at the same time. And we chose craft as a medium because I think uh, mm, it's a very universal medium. Everyone, in including uh, uh, children to adults, understands what beautiful thing is. And uh, you really don't need to go to a college and get a degree to start working. Yeah. So 
Tell me about the sort of women that you employ and train. What is the background that they are coming from in your area? A lot of women who are working with us are single mothers. They are basically um, uh, left to fend for themselves, but uh, there are no right avenues for them to earn. So a lot of them would actually have very little food for their children and themselves. And that's where we had to think about uh, creating different projects where we could uh, give flexibility to such women in work and at the same time make sure that their children were provided for. Considering that we are working with women who have a lot of uh, responsibilities in an Indian system, um, especially in the villages. They have to manage their livestock, they have to manage children, they have to manage their husbands and even the elders of the household. So right from a ceremony to harvesting to a childbirth, uh, everything the woman has to manage. At the same time, she is coming out to earn some wages. So it's very important that they get the flexibility. Now, why do you think it is important for these women in these rural areas to develop these practical skills? Well, these women actually are uh, the direct tiger's neighbors and the only job that they have with them is going inside the forest for woodcutting or illegal grazing. Now, woodcutting and cattle grazing, both are jobs which are very dangerous and they are, as per the law, illegal. But because women don't have any other avenues to earn, they are forced to do this. So that's where we had to wean them from this job and get them into something different. You're you're providing these women with another avenue because they're risking their lives because they have no other means. This avenue is more uh, respectable, more, uh, um, I would say, safe. And uh, it's it's, when you come to Dhok Center, you will see the atmosphere is like a family. Everyone is uh, relaxed. They're all learning. They're all earning. And um, it's a lot of sharing and caring that happens. When you walk into the Dhok Center, you will see uh, it's all colorful and bright and cheery. Uh, Not for the travelers only, but also for us. Because when we come in the morning, especially the women from the villages, after going through a lot of grill and drill, it's very important for them to get a very happy working environment. Especially when we are talking about crafts, because crafts and creativity need colors and happiness. So we are trying to uh, indulge them in... uh, some color therapy and make them uh, relax so that uh, the output of it is beautiful products. Now, Nadine, what was it like mm-hmm. being there? Uh, I felt a sense of, like, pride. Like, they were really excited. The The work that they were doing, the crafts, um, the the prints that they're doing, they're all beautiful. They're all super unique and well done. And I, and I get this sense of like, they're excited that they're able to do something. They're able to produce something, create something that can provide them with an income. Also like tigers are amazing. And so like you have all these beautiful tiger prints all over the items. So it's like, it's a sim, it's a very symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. with um, the tigers and the forest and the people. Did you try any arts and crafts? Did you try to make anything when you were there? Yeah, I did some printing and it was really fun. It was really fun, but they have like a lot of skill. Like my print sets were nothing close to the amazing work that they were doing. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I need to work on this. But you tried, you tried, you you tried. I tried, I tried, yes. But I mean, like, it's just a beautiful initiative. I I really think like coming from a, a tourist, like an outsider's perspective, it's really easy to visit countries and go, that's wrong. You shouldn't poach tigers. You shouldn't chop this. Mm-hmm. But unless you give people an alternative, like what? who are you to say they shouldn't do something? 
it's it's better to provide a okay, this is wrong, but how about you do this? Just like Dong Center is doing, and I think that that's a really really smart way to to be able to sustain our like to live with these environments for the long run for like longevity and like you'll see it. There's a lot of like big waves of like eco tourism and and um, just animal tourism and how we we perceive it. People are realizing that animals. There are other ways to bring in tourism with regards to animals that where they can live in their natural environment, um, they can have their forested lands. We can observe them from afar, yeah. but we and we can appreciate that, and that's still and we still want to come and see that. And so, I don't know. I think it's it's a really 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 smart initiative. No, I mean I agree. I definitely think being able to see an animal from afar is much less much much better seen in their natural habitat versus like going up close mm-hmm. and then like the dong center it's like it's, it's a two-part process it's like not only are they helping um bring back the tiger population by not poaching so they're mm-hmm. helping the tiger population thrive they're also being able to bring in more um visitors to come and appreciate the tiger population because there is they are thriving mm-hmm. so it's it's like two hands they kind of both lift each other up and they lift the whole region up so after the Donk Center, where did you go? So after the Donk Center, we traveled to Pondicherry, which is a city in the southeastern coast of India. And there I visited a French bakery called Eat My Cake Cafe. All right. Now we have on the line Salua Saul, the owner of Eat My Cake. Hello, Salua. How are you? Hi. Hello. Hello, Nadine. Hello, David. Hello, hello. <laughs> so what is Eat My Cake Cafe? So, Hit My Cake Café, like his name, uh, it's a café, mostly a bakery, a French bakery. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we provide um, a lot of uh, French sweet, like uh, tarte tatin, tarte au citron. And mm-hmm. everything is baked by the woman, uh, from the French bread to, the, to all the pie. That's awesome. So you're, you're training these women to, to bake? Yeah. Uh, so first, we, we trained them to... Uh, for two months, we were locked in the factory. Okay. And uh, we trained them to uh, use the chocolate, to use the butter, how to use the fruit, uh, like the apple, in the different way that they were used to do it. Okay. So can you tell me about the sort of women that you employ? Most of the women, they come from the suburb of Pondicherry and uh, mostly from the slum. We, um, um, so we are working with the... An NGO, the name of the NGO is Sharana. This NGO is uh, taking care of the children from the slum. And for that, they have to take a picture of the family. So they, are, they know what uh, the father do, the mother do. Mm-hmm. And uh, they bring us uh, the women who are able to uh, work. So most of, most of them are from the suburb and most of them are from the slum with a low education. Now, what is the impact that you're seeing on these women after you're training them to bake in this cafe? Like, what's the impact that you see in the change in their lives? Okay, the impact is huge. First, it was the confidence, mm-hmm. uh, the confidence in themselves. And also, um, so me, I come from France, so we don't have the same, even if uh, uh, if I'm a woman and even if I'm facing some struggle, it's totally not the same. Uh, what I what I saw, the first thing, it's uh, they don't have any friend. So just the fact to come at work and to be uh, like in a team, to be a part of the team, finally, it was a kind of second family. So just that, to be uh, together uh, and to know that finally everyone have the same struggle was for them a strength. So um, 
And the, the first impact was the confidence. Mm -hmm. They were able after to speak with the delivery guy, with the, uh, when at the beginning they were just uh, um, like shy and uh, silence. Mm -hmm. Now they are able to, uh, to have a real um, a conversation with, the, with even a man. Yeah. Like all the other ladies, you were helping them create a second family out, because most of these women don't have kind of like a group extension outside of possibly their family or their husbands. And even it's quite difficult, I think, for them to share with mm -hmm. them about the struggle and even anyway to put a name on, on their struggle because for them it's life. It's uh, um, it, it just something that you have to live and, uh, and it's just something that you have to undergo. Yeah, so you're bringing these women together and you're sh like essentially showing them that their struggles are not their own. They're not alone, that other yeah. women are facing this too, but you're putting them in a situation where it's like, now let's change it. Let's change our lives. Yeah, and you are able to do it because you have the, uh, you have all the capacity to do it. Uh, you are not stupid. You have two hands. You you are able to uh, learn. You are able to uh, do something from your life. So just do it. Just take the opportunity to do it. And uh, the, one of the um, the biggest impact that I saw, it's like after the confidence. Uh, just to to give you like one story. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my uh, collaboratrice, so Anandi was uh, living with the alcoholic husband, uh, mm -hmm. and it's most of the time, this is the the, the alcoholism, it's like a huge, uh, a huge issue, I mean, in South India, and uh, so she was living with him, and after six months, he just by himself stopped to drink, and uh, now he, he just taking care of the child when, he's, when she's going to work. And that was only because he saw her going at work every day and, uh, and just trying to do something from her life. Finally, he just followed um, the right way and he just followed his woman. So it was, uh, for me, it was the best impact. That's amazing. She inspired her husband. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Now, Nadine, what did you take away from all of this? My biggest takeaway is that these are all small changes within like these are these are individual businesses within these these towns or these small um, cities, but they make big impacts that kind of ripple and inspire other people like you've heard the different stories and those people then inspire other larger cities or larger towns or larger country sets. And then eventually you'll, you'll get the whole country. Like it's, it is actually, it's just very inspiring seeing how, like, cause you always feel kind of discouraged. Like India is such a big country and, and I have, like, how do you change the mindset of such a big country? And you do it by starting small. It's just these um, like amazing initiatives that spread the word and just change people's perspective and change people's opinion on what women can do and give them like a chance to learn and embrace change, both men and women, a, a chance to learn and embrace change. So that's kind of my biggest takeaway is that it doesn't have to be these huge grand events, but it mm -hmm. starts small and then it, it moves up to those. So that was, it's, it's really inspiring. And we're going to open this up to a little group discussion. Now, Radhika, how vastly are things changing for women in India right now? Uh, well, I think uh, things are changing a lot for women in India. You know, um, the, uh, the education rate is really going up. A lot of women are pursuing higher education. Uh, families are also opening up. Uh, 
uh, women are being able to take uh, decisions for themselves. Uh, there's uh, greater respect for themselves and, uh, you know, from within the community and the family. But I do feel that, uh, you know, it's uh, not at all levels. So if you uh, look at rural India, uh, there are still pockets where uh, things are very, uh, still very traditional. If you look at these ladies uh, who, uh, you know, are associated with us, a lot of them told me they had never even gone outside, uh, uh, you know, to the local market on, uh, you know, by themselves. Mm -hmm. They always had a, a escort, you know, either their husbands or their sons or, you know, somebody with them. Yeah. Uh, so initially for uh, for me, you know, when we had to tell them that we are go you're going to be taking tourists, uh, a lot of them are going to be from uh, outside uh, India, uh, they'll be speaking a different language. Uh, you know, they, uh, I realized it wasn't the fact that um, they didn't think they, they would be uh, able to do it. They were really scared because, you know, they'd never had the exposure. And I felt they didn't have the confidence to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, but it changed very quickly, you know. Um, as we started with the tours, uh, within three to six months, uh, you know, with a lot of hand-holding, uh, uh, you know, we started with the first ten. And, you know, the ripple effect uh, was very strong. Uh, it was these ladies who instilled confidence uh, in, you know, the other ladies. In fact, finally, uh, you know, when we started it, I thought it would be the younger ladies, you know, younger women who would be uh, in the age group of, you know, about 18 to 25 who would find this exciting. But mm -hmm. um, they were the ones uh, who were more hesitant. Uh, so my one of my first ladies, uh, you know, was uh, a grandmother. And she did it just because, you know, she felt her entire life she hadn't done anything for herself. And she said, you know, well, now I'm old enough. Uh, she also got married when she was 13 years old. She mm -hmm. said, well, I've, you know, done a lot for everybody. Now I'm going to take a turn, uh, take a chance and, you know, do something for myself. And uh, she is the one who then inspired everybody else and, you know, told the younger ones, well, you know, if I can do it, you can pick it up faster. So, you know, I think the, there's, uh, there's a lot of change and quickly, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the families also started respecting them, uh, you know, respecting their choices. And now, you know, um, I see the change within these ladies and, um, you know, I think it... Um, Oh, it's similar to what's happening in, you know, our country, mm -hmm. uh, where the grandparents' generation, a lot of them hadn't had formal education, they didn't go to schools, they were homeschooled. And now, you know, a lot of the girls are being uh, encouraged to pursue higher education, to, you know, uh, travel, uh, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, make choices. So it's changing a lot. Uh, it just needs uh, a lot of, uh, you know, support and encouragement. No, that's okay. What do you think currently right now is the biggest obstacle standing in women's way? I think it might just not be uh, in our country. I think it's, uh, it's um, everywhere. Uh, you know, there is a glass ceiling mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, um, I feel a lot of women who are qualified uh, and uh, very capable, uh, they don't get the uh, right opportunities to take uh, you know, take their skills further on, mm -hmm. the glass ceiling still sorts of stands. Nadine, how do you think the world is changing for women for the better based on all your travel experiences that you've seen? Um, like we said, like um, Ritika said, it's, it's not just India. Like women, a lot of women face the same challenges all around the world. But it's a lot of it's about awareness. So it's like the more we talk about it, the more we see other women taking on these challenges, the more it'll inspire other women to do the same. And the more like seeing other women do these things, 
inspires other women. I know I get inspired by all, like these three ladies are all amazing. And, and I, I'm so inspired by all the work that they're doing in India. And I see that in other places around the world, just seeing other women take on roles, take on projects, take on jobs, do things that are just not typically a female job or are not typically run or spearheaded by women, or at least in the sort of numbers that you would expect. Uh, so it's just, it's things like that that just kind of inspire a global consciousness. And and it also helps, like I said, change like the male's perspective as well. So it's not only women seeing other women like traveling um, on their own and being like, whoa, you can do that. Um, and, and seeing women take on jobs on their own and and run companies on their own being like whoa you can do that it's it's men as well it's it's giving men a chance to see that women can do that and 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 they can see us succeeding in it and then they're able to to change their perspective as well because i think that's a big part of it as well it's not just women supporting other women it's men supporting other women and and seeing the change and seeing and being able to support them Literally, biggest kudos to all you ladies out there for fighting these gender stereotypes, helping these women change their mindset, knowing that, you know what, they literally can do whatever it is they want, and if they have the confidence, they can do it. That is very, very, it's a very tough job, and it's a very large undertaking that you guys are doing, so you guys are changing the world. I just wanted to add something. Yeah, go for Uh, it. Yeah. All these women have the courage because uh, I think all over the table we have the education and the money. But these women, they are like so courageous because they are the ones who are struggling when they start something new. Because going out from uh, your comfort zone, we know already that it's difficult when we have the money and the education. But imagine for them, it's like... uh, a huge step and um, and I'm super proud like every day I'm really proud about what they can accomplish every day and I'm sure also they are but uh, me I'm just impressed and I'm every day I'm more impressed by them again you ladies are doing an amazing job thank you so so much do not stop what you guys are doing and I am adding this all to my India trip notes to come visit all of you guys because I do want to see the amazing work you guys are doing like for myself Thank you so much to all my guests, Nadine Sakura, Radhika Kumari, Diva Kandal, and Salua Sal. That's it from Out of Office, powered by Kontiki. Don't forget to subscribe. You can listen back to any of our previous episodes at any time. Just search Out of Office wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon.